Golight presents Murder Most Irish. something I ordered because I ordered a book and I thought it was something and I opened it up my managing director was standing by my head you know maybe Finchy and I couldn't think of a lie quick enough and I was like yeah, I like maybe Finchy oh no. no you know what no wrong maybe Finchy best luck to her in life uh, I think she's done an amazing stuff and well done. she seems like a very happy woman is she that does. the woman that just be on our book <clears throat> no that's not Maeve Finchy but she's an Irish author what the fuck's she's her name unhinged. she's great though I love her I love the way she talks what's her name she from Limerick that lady I think she might be, yeah. She's very thick Limerick accent. Irish, a female Irish. I can't remember this woman's name. Female. Uh, I can't spell female for some reason. What's my phone doing? Female Irish author. I have to remember this. This is shocking that I can't remember that lady. Blue name. is the colour. Football is the game. Do, 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 do. England's out. Yeah, good. Okay, I don't know what that woman's Brazil's name is. Brazil's out too. Brazil's gone, baby. Maeve Higgins. Mate. No. Nope. No. We do love Mae Higgins in this household though. She's a great no, woman. That, no, she... Hold on, which one are you talking about? You're talking about the lady, the small lady with the black hair. The toxic yeah. Female. Yeah. Uh, what is her name? Ah, uh, come on to fuck. Do, 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 do. It's not Sally Rooney. I didn't even know Sally Rooney was Irish until very recently. Really? Oh, there she is. Her name is... Oh, for fuck. Uh, welcome to the podcast to the glowing content we call this podcast Marion Keys Marion Keys talk about do you know how I got there do you know how (laughs) I got there what did you search what were you searching female Irish authors I searched Adam Buxton podcast Irish Irish female author that's the way she do and that's what came up Uh, I like Marion Keys I like her I don't don't read her books but I do like Marion Keys I think she's also I didn't I didn't think back to when I first became like a reader an avid reader and I was such a fucking internalised misogynist I was like I don't read in checklist I don't read blah, 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 blah. like it, like reading male authors made me somehow better than everybody else oh really when I was younger, oh yeah and a lot of girls like are really avid readers would have grown up with that whole you don't read chiclet and chiclet is wrong bad and, uh, and as I got older I was like men are shite yeah 90% of the authors that are hailed as like you know amazing it's just garbage whereas female authors tend to write really like more real stories and more real characters and more like balanced spaced out characters that make sense whereas men just are like she walked down the stairs her breasts hitting her forehead do you know what I mean (laughs) like that's their that's their jam she was a voluptuous woman she only got her period once a year and if she was fat she was jolly <laughs> jolly she was a jolly curvaceous woman not a hair on her head or her body uh, what's that scene in the office where Phyllis is trying to set Michael up with her friend and he's like is she funny is she a, is she a jolly woman and Phyllis just goes from are you asking me if she's fat he's like well yeah Michael is the worst Michael honestly Mindy what's that lady's name Mindy, Mindy Kaling she came she was like on something this week and she was saying that the office wouldn't get made no and people were like coming for her on the internet Why? she was like she's people, right yeah people were like no it definitely would and no, I was like there is a fucking episode where Michael puts on a fat 
A fat suit. Yep. And he's that big, beautiful. Like remember the episode where he puts like pretends he's in prison, puts on the do rag. Yeah, that would not happen. Or when Oscar, when Oscar is yeah. like yeah. when he makes that whole scene is improvised as well. The scene where he ki- makes him kiss him. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> like there's certain things, but then I think that, and then I look at it's always sunny. I do not know how and it's I always sunny. I don't know how this show has not been fully cancelled by everybody. It's such a good show. But it's so fucking funny. It's such a good show. Like, the shit they do in that show. Mm-hmm. They did full blackface there. Yeah. Full blackface. When they did uh, Little Weapon. <laughs> <laughs> like, but even in 30 Rock when they did blackface. Yes. But like, I know that, you know, Tina said, like, they, when 30 Rock is on Peacock now and they've cut a lot of that. Out, so you yeah, can't you can't it get it. Which is fair enough. I totally get it. But Mindy Kaling's not wrong. Like, and it's not saying, oh, and I'm sure she didn't mean it in the sense like everybody's too woke. It's too woke. It's not. It's just there's certain things you can't do now. Like when you look back on shows like Friends and Seinfeld and stuff like that. You know, that, I've never watched a single full episode of Friends and I never will. I've seen so many episodes of Friends. And now when I think back on Friends, I'm like, you are in New York City. Here, Nikita told me a thing that, you know, um, the outside shot of the apartment in Friends, mm-hmm. that's apparently the building above the Magnolia Bakery. Oh, no way. She was like, when you're looking at the Magnolia Bakery, she was like, that's that's, that's the building. what you're looking at. And I was like, what? Did not know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. But shout I don't know anything about Friends, so that's why. Shout out to Magnolia Bakery and their banana pudding. Oh, the it's the greatest thing cheesecake. ever. Uh, we love it. Actually, a lovely woman named Tracy that follows us and has sent Lily things in the past and it's just so sweet. She it, she messaged me to her morning and she was like, hey, um, she lives in Canada and she was like, I'm traveling to America. Is there anything you want me to get? Oh my God, we love you. Isn't that so sweet? You little darling. Tracy, just a great big shout out to Tracy. She's like the sweetest. She was like, I'm going to Trader Joe's and I was like, I've actually never been to Trader Joe's. Never been to a Trader Joe's. But I would like either. to go. Apparently, a lot of the Trader Joe's stuff is just Aldi stuff. Oh, really? Packaged, yeah. They have the same manufacturers. I only learned that very recently from a from a podcast. Is there Aldi in America? There is Aldi in America, but it's only in very uh, specific areas. Hmm. But uh, I remember I was listening to a podcast and the guy. Was it's talking. funny because Aldi and Little are like our cheap supermarkets. Yeah. Um, but I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about you know classism and food, and they were like, "It's so funny because Trader Joe's a lot of their food is actually Aldi food that's repackaged." And people don't know that, but they're just paying more, more for Trader Joe's. Like, it's like one of my managers, uh, you know, Marks and Spencer's. Yeah. Right. You do your bits in Marks and Spencer's. Yeah. Get bits. Yeah. You don't do a shop in Marks and Spencer's. No. That's not, if you do, you're rich. That's just the way it That's is. That's how I knew Yvonne when I was, yeah, uh, her friend, her mom did a shop in Marks and Spencer's. Yeah, you, do, you get your bits in Marks and Spencer's, you're going to be like, okay, a few bits. Grant. Full tra- trolley. Euro. And a few bits is like 70 quid. Yeah, a few bits is like 72 euro for a packet of crisps and a bottle of fucking water. But like, you see people come with trolleys. I'm like, you have more money than God. My, one of my managing directors, every single day his lunch is Marks and Spencer's. Every single day. And does every week, does he go shopping like a full shop? He must. Because every day he comes in, he's got Marks and Spencer's stuff. And I'm like, must be nice. He lives right beside him, but. Yeah. Yeah, but he also lives right beside him, sure, a fucking. He lives right beside a Tesco's. Yeah, so, I mean... But yeah, that's how I know people are really wealthy. Yeah. Super Value and Marks and Spencers. Super Value is a fuck... It is neither super or value. No. Lies. They do do lovely sausages. It's only because it used to be Super Quinn. It used to be Super Quinn, that's... And now Super Value is just owned by the people who own Centra. It's mad. 
Anyway. How is? Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome to this week's episode, episode of uh, whatever We it Can't is. Afford to Live because of the cost of living crisis. That's... Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> like, after buying all my Christmas presents and everything, I'm just want to go and live under a rock somewhere. I'm like, I can't afford to live. I cannot afford to live, Emma. Like, this is insanity. Like, it's fucking madness. But like, I just feel for everybody that's in... Like, we got our electricity bill the other day and I nearly had a fucking, like, heart attack when it came through. But after I calmed down, I was like, do you know what? I got this. I'll be fine. But there are people that woke up this morning to these bills that are like, I can't feed my children. There are people on prepaid meters. You know? Prepaid meters, your power's gone. Like, in this weather. Like, there are people in my estate, because I'm in my, like, local Facebook group. Yeah. Like, we have a Facebook group for our estate. And they're, they're, they're like going to Mabs to be like, I can't, I, I, I have no heating in my house. I can't afford. And then on top of that, <sighs> they're living in houses that have like no insulation. Like those people that live over in the other apartment blocks here, like, yeah. um, poorly built yeah. and they've got storage heating. Like it's a nightmare. Like and I've got storage heating and I've got day and night meters. Day and night meters, yeah. So their day rate is fucking through the roof. And like, I think they said today it was going to get to like minus eight or something. To minus 10. I don't know. I don't know. Their government has said that. It's, this is so ridiculous to me. So it's to get to minus 10. Right. In certain areas. It'll probably get... To, it got to minus 4 here in our area last night. Okay. Which is still very cold. The other thing is that anybody that's from an area that gets like really cold weather, I'm sure you're like listening to this to be like, just get, just on, get on with it. Cold weather in Ireland is vastly different yeah. than climates where you get cold weather. Yeah. The reason being is vapor in the air hits your skin and it, your skin reacts the exact same way as if the exact same way as if you're sweating yeah so it sends signals to cool you down yeah. so if you're on the street <laughs> you're just fucking shivering to that like, you're literally you yeah. cannot get yeah. warm because your body is like and we're not like we get cold weather here we do we're never like oh, it's 22 degrees it's really but we don't get this type of weather a lot. It's also incredibly damp in Ireland. Yeah. Which is why that like, like I moisture. Feel, I can feel it in my chest, chest now. Yeah. Like I can actually feel that. Um, and we also only have one snowplow at the airport. Yeah. And we have three runways. Oh my God, lads, Dublin Airport's a fucking disaster. People are freaking out. Like I, there was a guy uh, yesterday. I People was, are trying to get home for Christmas. Yeah, there was a guy yesterday that was meant to get his flight yesterday. And then <laughs> they're like, you have to rebook. And the soonest I could give him the flight was the 21st. And he was like, well, what do I do? How the fuck do I get out of here? What? Yeah. 21st. They were like, as soon as we can get you, it's 21st. Wherever he was going. And he's like, I have to go home. Hmm. So what? Did they, did they put them up in a hotel? Nope. People were just sleeping on the floors. Yeah. And it's so funny because I know the DA, I know the responsibilities the DAA have. I know that. I understand their responsibilities. But for them to absolutely pass the book on everything, they're like, just contact your airline. Just contact you. So what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? What what is your job like? What do you do? It's like if there was if it was a shopping center and there's a ton of shops and something goes wrong, you go to the security of the shopping center and you say, "Hey, this is wrong. Please help me." But they're just on Twitter being like, "Not our problem. Not our problem. Not our problem." And I'm like, well, "Who's prop? Like these people are people are sleeping on the floors. It's minus fucking four outside. People have kids." I seen the pictures of like the Ryanair terminal because all joke. the flights to England yeah. Sunset just completely cancelled all of its flights today cancelled everything didn't they and then Heathrow and Gatwick pretty much followed suit um, but London is London's got a red <clears throat> weather warning um, for like in imminent 
risk of life is what and how long are they saying that this is going to last well for us we don't we're not going to see a reprieve until Friday (coughs) but that may change so it was originally supposed to be Wednesday and then they extended and then they said it's going on until Friday sorry everybody I'm still choking I'm sorry anybody I had to listen through that last episode we were just cooking (laughs) like honest to god (laughs) I was laughing though when I was listening back to it I was like the fucking two of us sound like 95 year old women who smoked for 60 like, years like it's so bad actually someone said that to me someone when I said to someone I had like <coughs> bronchitis which is actually an asthma flare up um, they were like did you use to smoke and I was like never 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 no I've never, never done anything bad to no, my lungs like that's the thing it's like I, I, this cough won't fuck off either it just won't fuck off and the worst thing is it only really affects me when I'm in work when I'm because I think it's the aircon making it worse. Well, then it's your if like <coughs> it's your allergies. I'm just like coughing constantly in work. But anyway, hello, welcome to the podcast where we talk about our ailments. Wait, to tell you a story about when I went to get my nails yes, done. Please tell me the story because I've been I've you meant to tell me the story about fifteen times. I know. So I walked in to get my nails done. I like the way this begin with the cost of living crisis and my priorities are I went <laughs> to get my nails done. Anyway, <laughs> walked in to get my nails done. And um, show me they're beautiful. They're very pretty. They're very pretty. And um, it was a girl sitting, getting her like feet done, and yeah. she had like a baby in her lap. She was like sitting, but she was also on the phone. Right. And there was two people doing her feet. There was a person training and a person like showing, like teaching the training. And she was on the phone, and there was nobody else in the salon, so like it wasn't me eavesdropping. I just had no choice but to listen to this woman. She was so loud, and she was like, "I know about those women dying." I know, I know, I know what he's saying. I know what he's saying, but this is about you, love. This is about you. This is about you doing what's right for you. And this is right for you. Like, it's right for you. Like, you've put on that extra weight. Sorry, what? You've put on that extra weight, honey. Like, I just think you need to just get on the plane and go and do it. Are you talking about... Talking about... Bariatric surgery. Bariatric surgery. And obviously, because a woman died in Ballyfermot... Oh, I didn't know that. She came back from Turkey or died in Turkey. She came back from Turkey and died. Oh no, I'm sorry to hear that. There was also statistics released in the UK and I think 92 people have died in the Republic of Ireland from surgery abroad and 100% of those cases have been from guess where? Turkey? Turkey. Oh God. Um... That's so scary. And this girl, who was supposed to... Actually, the conversation didn't end there. So she was like, hang on, I'll ring you back. Me dad's into getting clamped. He's ringing me. I was like, what's going on in this woman's life? Oh, Bobby Farmer. And she like <laughs> hung up and her dad was obviously on the other end of the phone and she was saying, so what are they saying? How much is it? Why'd you park there? <laughs> and then she was like, right, yeah, Grant. And then she rang your one back and she was like, yeah, like, like she was convincing this girl who clearly her partner was like you like I'm really worried about like the safety of, of you going over of and you doing going this. and getting well, it done but that's a nice turn of events as opposed to him being like you should get it done yeah but her friend know? was like you should get you should it done because you put on weight over COVID I just need people to know and your ha- she was like your happiness is really important and this is clearly getting you down that I was like, you're potentially putting your friend yeah. in a fatal situation. And also, this is kind of becoming a new form of an eating disorder, yeah. to be perfectly honest with you. When size 14 to 16 girls are going over and getting everything bar an eighth of their stomach cut out, mm. 
um, that's not normal and we should stop normalizing it please mm-hmm. it's not normal and this is not to everybody who gets bariatric surgery don't start coming for me I know people need to have to get the surgery for actual reasons but a 22 year old who is a size 16 thinking they need to go over and get their stomach cut out of them is diet culture and it's insane and then there's this new thing with this diabetic pen have you seen oh, this? oh yeah I've seen this this has been going on on TikTok for a while I noticed a couple of them people getting them like and you lose weight and stuff on it because when you take it well I think it might be like a form of so look when I was diabetic no when I, I am I'm not diabetic but I had uh, what's it called when you're pregnant and diabetic pregnancy diabetes no there's a different word for it but anyway that's the gist of it when I was trying to get pregnant with Lily because I have PCOS and because I'm insulin resistant they put me on glucovage which was an injectable into my stomach mm-hmm. And I did lose weight on it, mm-hmm. which glucovage apparently is a diabetic medication. Yeah, but it's like all the uh, kids, those young girls, and they were diagnosed type 1 diabetes, who would, um, I think, overtake or not take their insulin to lose weight. I think it's overtake. I think insulin, overtake. And then they would, lose, they would you, lose a shit ton of weight. Yeah, so that must be with these. So, I, yeah. so I've seen a thing where yeah. there's like a worldwide shortage yeah, for people who actually people have who diabetes. Actually need it. Can't get can't it. Get it because, because people, people who, who are, are trying to lose weight are injecting this into their bodies with absolutely no uh, fallback on what, what might potentially happen to them if they consistently use it. And it's giving them really bad nausea, fainting fits, diarrhea. What stops you eating? And it's the only reason. It curbs re- your appetite. <clears throat> and it's like, we will kill ourselves to be thin. It's so insane. We will kill our bodies and destroy our bodies and cut lumps and chunks out of our bodies in order to be thin because it is because it is seen as the only way is acceptable to live. Or the only way to be happy. Like this yeah, girl, all I've got me about her language is she kept... She kept saying the word happiness to her friend. But that's not happiness. And I was like, the whole time, and I was trying really hard not to be an Aussie cunt, but like, once she started, then I was in. Hook, line, sinker. And I was like, but that's not happiness. No, and because I will say this as a person who has had eating disorders, I can tell you now, at my tiniest, at my skinniest, at my like size, fitting into a pair of size six jeans, I was fucking miserable because the problem was on my body the problem was what was going on up here yeah so no amount of putting on or losing I'm not saying people who lose weight are unhappy I'm not saying that please just context clues I'm not saying that but this idea that losing weight will fix your life is a lie yeah it's insane you need to understand that and the reason that people have to go to Turkey to get this surgery is because when you get it done in Ireland you have to have counselling pre and post surgery because you are literally cutting out seven-eighths of your stomach. You are leaving yourself in a position where you become starving. And as I was telling you before, after that then uh, comes post-surgery, they get addicted to other things. So post-surgery addiction. So they get addicted to shopping. They get addicted to alcohol. They get addicted to drugs. And it's a very, very high percentage of people because they're replacing what they were doing with something else. else. And instead of getting proper counselling and therapy when they come home, they go to Turkey, get their stomach cut out, cut out then think they're amazing and sexy and gorgeous even though they were amazing sexy and gorgeous previously go out seven nights a week absolutely pissed and alcohol becomes their thing yeah yeah so it's round and round and round and I honestly the state and the it is an absolute disgrace what is going on with cosmetic surgery in the world at the moment and I'm sorry if that makes me a man feminist not everything women do should be support women Uh, every sometimes things that women do should be like maybe we should question why women this is being pushed on women and why this is being like a thing that women need to do constantly I just feel for anybody who is in a situation where they've gotten that surgery and it's gone wrong because it's bad yeah that surgery can make you very very sick that shit can fuck you up bro like 
you know so if you are thinking about getting that please please get some therapy before you do it and get some therapy afterwards because it's not like it doesn't fix your life like, no. It just doesn't fix your life, man. It, it like, and I, I'm saying this as someone who has had fucking eating disorders since I was twelve years old. It doesn't fix your life. I can't. I like when I was at my smallest. I don't remember how I felt about it. Yeah, but I just think that's because it was important to me. That's the thing, and I didn't that's realize I was at yeah, my smallest. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm like, I, I have a lot of like fat phobic tendencies in me because and I always feel bad when I see videos about people talking about fat phobia because I know I'm guilty of it and it's not fat phobia towards other people it's fat phobia towards myself but even saying that is is like hypocritical because if I feel that way about myself it has to extend to other people you know what I mean yeah like so I do I'm I'm unlearning a lot of that fucking behavior and a lot of that shit but it just it doesn't fix your life and please get some therapy because Go to, therapy, Go to therapy, everybody. Go to therapy. Obviously, and then I say that, and it's like, how can you? It's so expensive. So yeah, I don't know. Go live under a bridge. Oh, At Jesus, this point, Jack, I'm sorry. What'd you do? My bike fell down on top of him. Fine. I'm. He likes you. Yeah, he's of course so he calm does. when you're here. You just said that so. Uh, no, 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 no. It's a good look. Him. Look at him. He's yeah, so but he's just like that. He's just like. Mm. I was here. I'm gonna sleep on the bed and not scream at Emma for fucking forty five minutes. Yeah, I've bring a calming. I'm like uh, the dog whisperer. That's what you're like. With for, but for all animals. A little kitty whisperer. <laughs> South Park. How is that still on? How is South Park still on I the telly? I don't know. South Park has um, correctly predicted so many things. Yeah. Anyway. Do you have any housekeeping? Housekeeping. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just to say thanks to Tracy. <laughs> And Sarah's wearing... Thank you, everybody, for buying our merch. Sarah's wearing a beautiful small t-shirt. It's actually gorgeous. Yeah, it's really pretty, right? Look at you. You're so cute. Uh, you look... Lily says, why is Emma wearing those clothes? And yeah. Green said that they're computer clothes and that Flavio made them and this is his fantasy. <laughs> ew! <laughs> Stop it, ew. Like, I love that you're wearing... I just love that you put you in purple. Yeah, I don't really wear purple. I think it's a really good colour with the orange. Yeah, no, he did a good job. He did. Fair play. I sent him on the picture this morning or just there. Like, like, you've got those big old booty legs. <laughs> <laughs> like, he spent some time on this one. He spent some time on the college uh, one. It was awesome. Stop! <laughs> stop it! I have a boyfriend. Everybody stop. Um, yeah, and I, I I haven't put up a video of this one, but I will put up a video. Oh, shit, there. you sent me the video and I'll fucking put it up on Instagram. I'll do it now. Um, the quality is really good and tank, I, I like the way we're tanking I bought this. Myself. <laughs> I bought three pieces of merch <laughs> but myself. it is good to get Actually, it and be like four. it is good to get it I bought stickers oh nice I bought and I will say the sizing is very big so this, this is, is a good. 2XL this is good well it just I would say because on a raglan t-shirt I would like a kind of more snugger fitted raglan t-shirt I'm just trying to remember the name of those t-shirts um, some people call them a baseball t-shirt yeah. but a raglan t-shirt is what they're called on the website yeah um, see the sizing I got Graham a one, uh, just a large. Oh yeah, that's perfect. Um, I got, <coughs> excuse me, in the black t-shirt that I got Graham, I got just a large. Right. And then for me, I got a 4XL. You're going to cut it up? And I thought that was going to be huge. Yeah. And it is. And it is, yeah. Um, I don't know if I cut it up because it's actually really cute. Okay. Um, don't then. But this is lovely. Then in this, I got a 2XL and I probably should have only got a 1XL. One this is fab though it's so nice um, and I'll let you know how it wash yeah that's the thing it's the washing thing isn't mm. it that you kind of have to worry about but no this is beautiful I think you look lovely 
Thanks very it's much. It's gorgeous. I have absolutely zero. Uh, we're going to, oh, just to give you an update. So we're probably going to have an episode next week and then we're going to take a break for Christmas and we'll be back in the new year. Um, but we will still be obviously putting up Patreon content because those people are paying and you cunts aren't. But yeah, so we will have an episode next week, I think anyway. And then after that, we're just going to take a little break for Christmas and we'll be back in the new year, Tiz. Say hello. More, with more murder and, and madness. Yay. Yay. Have you anything else? Uh, no, just, yeah, that's it, I think. Hey, Colin, tell us about the Patreon. Sure thing, Lily Pops. Hey there, MMI fans. It's me, Colin, and do I have news for you. It's all going down over at www.patreon.com forward slash Irish, where we've totally revamped our Patreon offering for you mega fans. That's right. Now all of your favorite Patreon stuff can be found in one place as we bring you our MMI Super Show exclusively for Patreon, featuring all the usual banter and chat between Emma and Sarah Jane, plus me thrown into the bargain, along with Lily's Tales, Maximilian's Bell Bag, and some surprises along the way. But that's not all. Every single week, due to popular demand, we will be bringing you a full-length story, whether it be Miscellaneous Most Irish for those cases that just don't fit on the main show, Murder Most International for those cases you guys have been crying out for, or even Music Most Awesome where we talk about our favourite albums. But wait, there's even more! How about MMI Drive, the fan favourite podcast show where Emma and Sarah Jane drive around Dublin talking about all sorts the shite plus our monthly ask me our segment where you get to pick the brains of the girls and maybe even ask me a question or two so what are you waiting for come on over to www.patreon.com forward slash murder most irish and join in the fun for only six euros a month give my mommy six euro um but yes so this week i'm not doing a murder as i was saying i'm actually doing a i don't know what you call this well i'd be able to have a laugh and a joke probably okay because it's fucking not. You could need one. <laughs> this is a story about Sarah winning a million euros. <laughs> it was a Tuesday. It was it a was cold day. day. It's only Monday. It's Monday. Am oh I winning God, tomorrow? It's only, <laughs> it's only Monday, Lemon. Okay, it's only Monday. Never mind. Um, so my story this week is about a lady called Samantha Azopardi. And you might not know her name, but you're going to know who I'm talking about when I get into this story. Okay. So this is a case story. I won't tell you what it's about, but I'm just going to read it. what? As a party. What a great name. Great name. So my references are the Irish Times evoke.ie, personnel, the Irish Mirror. Oh, if it's an evoke, it's garbage. <laughs> RTE, the lovely Sunday World, press reader, theage.com. Um, and then I have, a, there's a documentary on one from RTE that did something about this lady. It's called Doc on One, so you'll find it there when I, under her name. Um, and I'll put all the references in the show notes because there's quite a few. So, let's start. You're going to know, the second I start reading this, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. I knew this story, but I did not know the afters of this story. Oh, okay. So, on a freezing cold October day in 2013, members of the Gardaí were called to the GPO in Dublin city centre. Reports of a blonde girl walking in circles, crying and very distressed had been made by security inside the GPO and members of the public. When the Gardaí arrived, they tried to communicate with the girl to ask her who she was and what had happened. She refused to speak, becoming more and more upset. The Gardaí then decided to bring her to Store Street Garda station to figure out who this young girl was. She had no ID on her and she was still refusing to communicate verbally. But when one officer asked her what her age was, she held up her fingers to indicate that she was 14 years old. So she went like 10 for. So they were like, okay. 
The HSE became involved immediately and she was transported to Temple Street Children's Hospital to be treated and checked for any signs of physical or sexual abuse. The girl was kept in a separate room away from other patients and when Detective Dave Gallagher came to speak to her, he said she looked healthy, maybe a little thin for her age, but generally she looked okay. Okay. Detective Gallagher tried to communicate with the girl, but it was in vain. He said she did not want to communicate. She didn't want to speak. She didn't make any eye contact and kept her hair over her face and would recoil from any physical interaction. So if they went to like touch her arm, she'd jump back, stuff like that. Um, How I act in my day-to-day life. Gallagher was aware that the girl refusing to communicate could have been a sign that she was lying, but it could also be a sign that she had experienced extreme trauma. And he was very conscious of this in his treatment of her. Is that a sign that you're lying? What? Like not... Yeah, like not no- when you've been caught in a lie, not knowing how to act or getting really like into yourself because you've done something wrong. You see uh, how when kids get caught doing something wrong, when babies and they're toddlers and they're like, oh, I didn't, you know, yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of reaction. Um, Excuse me. Uh, da, da. He was very conscious of this in his treatment of her. He said, the one thing as a detective is to maintain an open mind. What I saw was a young female indeterminate age could have ranged anywhere from 14 to 18 years old and she was extremely distressed. The guardies still don't, did not know who she was or in fact anything about her, but they knew she was a terrified child and something had to be done. Thus began Operation Shepherd. Why do they give them stupid names? Just give them the worst names. Led by Detective Gallagher. Like if I got to name something. Yeah, you don't call it Operation Shepherd. Oh, uh, what would you call it? I don't know, something cool. Something cool as fuck. Mine would be... Operation Zodiac. Oh, I love it. Blank. That's good, I like that. Operation Zodiac Blank. I like it. That's what I call Nobody it. Nobody even know and what's going on. And people would be on. like, what's this? What's in it? But it's, it's cool. need to know basis. Yeah, it's fucking cool. And my code name would be... <laughs> my code name would be Red. I like it. Yes. yes. I love it. So the main goal of Operation Shepherd uh, was to find out who this girl was, what had happened to her, <clears> and to get her back to her family. It's like a terrified in the freeze. Like she was only wearing like a little thin hoodie and a pair of tracksuit bottoms and she was just like walking up and down and walking in circles. Inside the GPO? No, outside the GPO. But the security staff in the GPO could see her and oh. they were like, what's going on? So fair play to them. And then some Yeah, because the, Mad Mary used to be out there all the time. I see mad people all the time. I'm like, no. And then some of the general public were like, because she looked so young and she was so slight. So the guardy continued to interview the girl, but she still refused to communicate verbally. And instead, she began drawing doodles and writing names on her body. On her body? On her body, yeah. The doodles that she drew were a gun, a cross and an airplane, leading some in the guardy to believe that this might be a sign that the girl had been involved in a crime or potentially human trafficking. Detective Gallagher said he did not share this opinion um, and that they would continue to try and figure out what had happened to the girl instead of giving away giving way to rumours and false um, yeah that is a bit jumping to conclusions <clears throat> and that, that always happens especially <clears throat> when there's a young girl confused not knowing where she was and I get it in that sense like you would there would be potential because I'm sure they see this but he was like I'm keeping an open mind we don't know what this is in one instance the girl wrote the name Marlo de Berg with pen on her foot and as the guardy searched for the name in Ireland and elsewhere it led to a dead end so they're like we have this name Means good name. It's a good name. So two weeks after the girl was found, as Gardy trolled trolled through missing person databases, spoke to anybody who had seen the girl, contacted the air and port authorities, and even tried to discern the origins of her clothing, there was still no update. No one knew who this girl was. She refused to give fingerprints. 
What? The, yeah, the Guardi would eventually take her prints from a plate she handled, but upon uploading the prints to a database, there was no match, and she refused to have her picture taken. Detective Gallagher said she would shake her head no, no, when the Guardi asked if they could take a picture, that it might help them find her family to get her home, yet she still refused. The Guardian social workers worked hours on end to try and help the girl, their main concern being her safety and her return to her family. Like, they worked overtime. Like, they were working, they were going to work at six o'clock in the morning and not coming home until, like, midnight. They were constantly working, trying to figure out what was. Because they had this girl in the hospital and they were like, we don't know who she is. We don't know where she's from. She's not speaking to us. She seems traumatized. I don't know anything about this story. Do you not? No. Are you serious? What year is it? 2013. It's very busy that year, <laughs> Detective Gallagher stated that he and his colleagues were willing to go above and beyond for this terrified 14-year-old. As the girl remained in Temple Street Hospital under constant Garda supervision, the Gardaí had run out of leads completely, and she still refused to have her picture taken. Covering her face whenever in the presence of another person, the Gardaí decided they would try and sneak a, photo- a photograph of her. They were like, this is the only way. Okay. We're gonna get it. As she left one room to enter another, a member of the Guardi snapped a picture without her knowledge. Oh. A month had passed from when the girl was found, so she was st- she was in Temple Street Hospital for a month. A month. Yeah, and the Guardi and HSC had amassed hundreds of hours of manpower between investigating and looking after her. Their new dilemma was now whether they should release the picture <coughs> of this vulnerable girl to the world. Detective Gallagher said, quote, there are legal requirements before you can post photographs of children. To me, it was the simplest way of doing it, but there are consequences to that. So their fear was they release this picture of this girl. There's like some fucking drug ring or yeah. sex trafficking ring. Find out where she is and somehow come for her. That was their fear. So at the start of November, having exhausted every avenue, the Guardi went to the High Court to ask them for permission to release the picture. The Guardi made the girl aware that they would be releasing the photograph and she became visibly upset and uncomfortable. But on the 6th of November, nearly a month from when the girl was found outside the GPO, the High Court granted permission for her picture to be released. So she speaks English. So upon release of the picture, the Guardi held a press conference in Phoenix Park. They asked anyone who knew the girl or was a relative or friend to please come forward as they wanted to return her to her family and make sure she would be kept safe. The, girl, the story of the girl at the GPO had become popular and travelled around the world over the month that she was in Temple Street Hospital. People worldwide sent their well wishes and hoped her family would find her. The story, and now the picture, had reached Australia. And a number of hours after its release, the Guardi received a call from a girl named Abby, who lived in New South Wales in Australia. Wow. Abby had been scrolling through a website when she came across a picture of the girl found in Dublin. She stopped with complete shock picked up her phone, called her friend and said, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's what she said. Jack's shocked. (laughs) So she picked up the phone, rang her friend and said, oh my gosh, it's Cody. She's at it again. (gasps) So Abby was a member of a small Pentecostal church community in the Blue Mountains near Sydney in 2011. Abby said the church was a welcoming and kind church and a perfect safe haven for anyone who needed help or who had lost their way. Now, this is the part of the story where you're going to get really incredulous and you're going to be like, this is fucking bullshit. But anyway, here we go. I know you are. So- I am I just got to tell you now. When you said, the minute you said Pentecostal, I was like, I know. I know. So in 2011... The- My unconscious bias... <laughs> Immediately. (laughs) So in 2011, the pastor of the church, Brad Blacker, received a call from a young girl named Cody. 
Cody told Brad that she had a, had a vision in which she had seen the church along with Brad's phone number and had to call him. Sorry, stop it. <laughs> no. That the Holy Spirit wanted her to be par- part of Brad's church. Brad believed this. Brad, a very devout man who cared for the youth of the area, believed Cody and asked her to come visit the church. Brad's a gullible sucker. When Cody arrived at the church, she started to open up to Blacker, quote, while she was here, she opened up about some serious allegations that had happened to her in the past and she feared to go home. So we decided to provide some accommodation and to try and help her out. Well, that's nice. Just being kind. But also... <coughs> yeah, Brad, come on. Come on, Brad. Come on, Brad. Cody told Abby that she'd escaped from Finland and that her parents were dead and that she'd been in an abusive home. She also told them she was abandoned by a relative. And she also told Abby that she had a little brother who she had to leave behind when she ran away. Cody moved into Brad's house. What the fuck? Along with his two daughters and his pregnant wife. Abby said Cody almost immediately became an integral part of Brad's family. Cody immersed herself in the church, attending youth groups, participating in church camps and even being baptised. So at first, Abby recognised a traumatised, lonely girl in Cody. But soon her feelings about Cody began to change. She said, at first I thought it was amazing. God had brought this young woman here. How incredible. And then when I met her and started talking to her, I would ask questions about her little brother that she'd left behind. What was going to happen to him? Then she just stood up and huffed and walked off. Something felt off. It didn't add up. Because she was lying. So Brad too began to have his doubts about Cody. She'd become almost a fully dependent child to him. So he, she was, he was doing everything for her, paying for everything. She was living in their house, eating their food. But you know what, Brad? Why did you ask Ren then? That's what happens when you bring them home. Yeah. And to him and his wife, yet she refused to answer certain questions about her life. And when she did answer, her answers just didn't add up. Frustrated, Brad decided to call some churches around the area to see if someone in their congregation might know Cody or had like previously helped her. Sorry. Instead, he learned that Cody had contacted several other churches with the exact same story she had told Brad. The Holy Spirit told me to contact you. Oh, okay. But only Brad was the only one that was like, Suckers. Come on down. Hey, Cody, yeah. you want a prize. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> so when Brad confronted Cody, she became angry and left. Brad and his wife were deeply upset at Cody's lies, but were still also very concerned and worried about her. One week after leaving the church, Cody contacted Brad and his wife from Sydney to tell them she had been raped. Brad and his wife decided to meet with Cody again, but this time to have a psychiatrist intervention and to hopefully get her some help. They were still trying to help her. That's nice. Which is incredibly sweet. Cody initially agreed to the meeting, but Brad said, quote, she kept mixing her answers up or simply wasn't able to give us an answer. At the end of the meeting, Cody stormed out and this would be the last time they would ever see or hear from Cody until she turned up outside the GPO in Dublin two years later. So within 24 hours of the photo being released, not only had Abby contacted the Gardaí, but police in Australia were aware of this picture and contacted Detective Gallagher. They were able to give the Gardaí the girl's real name, oh. which was Samantha Azapardi. So this is her real name. So she's Cody. She's Samantha. She's a lot of other names. Cody's a good name to yeah, pick. Yeah, she picks really American. Actually, I'll just go through this. <laughs> So, the Guardi also received further confirmation of Samantha's identity when extended family of Samantha living in Tipperary contacted them after seeing the picture on the TV to tell them Samantha had come to visit them in Tipperary for a little while, but had decided to go travelling. 
They also told the Guardian that Samantha was not 14 and not from Europe. She was 25 years old and Australian. What? So she came over to Ireland to visit her family, extended family in Tipperary and was like, I'm going to go up to Dublin and then went up to Dublin and this happened. And they, and they did this. And did this. She's 25 She's years 25 of age. 25 years old. <laughs> so Samantha Azapardi was born on the 21st of August 1988 in Campbelltown, New South Wales, Australia. When she was two years old, Samantha's parents divorced. Samantha then lived with her mother until the age of 11 and then her father took sole custody after that. She spent most of her childhood and teenage years moving around and attending different schools and it was around this time that she began creating fake histories and personas for herself. She would tell her friends in school her real name was Lindsay Lohan and she even dyed her hair to copy the actress. She would also tell her friends that any time she was away from school, it was because she was acting in a movie in Hollywood. Oh, okay. Her friends said that Samantha was mostly good in school, but was trouble and troubled and needed help. So Samantha first came to the attention of Australian police in 2007, when at the age of 19, she falsely represented herself as Lindsay Lana John Benet Coughlin. Sorry, that is the greatest name I've ever heard in my life. Great name. She picked a lot of sur- Irish surnames. Um, so she was uh, falsely represented herself as this person with intent to defraud. So they didn't say exactly what the fraud was, but it was probably like opening a fake bank account because she intended to do that a lot oh. with a fake name. So in 2010, Samantha posed as a sexually abused teenager by the name of Dakota Johnson. Oh, like another actress. Yeah. A Brisbane supportive service found her on the streets and gave her food and shelter. She told them she was 14 years old. The support group group believed her story and when she told them she wanted to continue her private education, they agreed to help her. What? Uh, Dakota did not have much identification, but she did have a letter of recommendation from a prestigious Swiss private school and a receipt from a bank on Lord Ho Island. She also carried with her a pink diary where she detailed all of the sexual assaults she had experienced at the hands of a relative. Sorry. She began to apply to schools and one finally accepted her. However, the Brisbane support group were very concerned for her well-being and the abuse that she purported to suffer and they called the police. They were like, this girl is telling us all these awful, awful things that happened to her. We can't help her. We need to get the police involved. The police spoke to Dakota and soon realised her stories did not add up. It was at this time that the principal of the school who agreed to enrol her realised her recommendation letter was fake and contacted the Brisbane support group to let them know. So it is all kind of coming down. Oh, God. The police decided to search Dakota's belongings and realised that not only was her letter recommendation fake, but so was the bank receipt she had and she'd made both of them on her computer. The police were unable to, uh, sorry, were able to uncover Dakota's real name as Samantha Azapardi, and in September 2010, she was charged with one count contravening a direction and possessing objects with intent to forge, doc- forge documents and two counts of false representation. Mental health services spoke to Samantha du- during this time and they said, Samantha Azapardi reported her real name was Dakota Johnson, date of birth 3295. She saw mental health services four seven ago with a similar presentation and background. At this time, QPS and child safety were made aware of the circumstances. Today, an interview was there were no acute mental health issues. There are concerns for her young age and sub- subsequent vulnerabilities. CLS has contacted Child Safety once again and forwarded her details. Although Samantha has other challenges against her, false identity to claim welfare benefits, a charge of contravening a police direction and refusing to identify herself to the police, she received a $500 fine and a suspended sentence at the end of 2010. So basically nothing happened to her. 
Well, I, it is. I don't like when I sit there and think about those things. She didn't, and that's the problem. She didn't get anything. That's the problem with this story. She's not gaining. Yeah. So when there's no gain, you, you can't like you, you can't, can't really, touch her. Yeah. yeah. So being caught did <clears throat> not seem to phase Samantha. In fact, it seemed to urge her on to commit more fraud. How do you make those documents? I have no idea. She was 19 years old and she had, like was doing all this. It's crazy. As a party had created countless Facebook page, pages under different names, most, most of which were little schoolgirls. But she was obsessed with being like a 14 year old. Uh. Uh, this gets really dark. Um, in one Facebook, she used the name Emily Skiberas, who was a gymnast ready to compete she claimed she had grown up in Western Australia, but at the age of seven moved to Moscow to become a gymnast. In 2011, Samantha met a girl in Perth and the pair struck up a friendship. Samantha kept her persona of Emily the gymnast and then they became friends and she visited the girl's home frequently. So a month after meeting this girl, Emily posted on Facebook that her family had died in an accident in France. In the post, she attached a newspaper article of a man who had committed a double murder-suicide in which he had killed his 15-year-old daughter and his wife before taking his own life. The article mentioned a twin who had survived the murder and Samantha began to claim that she was in fact the surviving twin. What the fuck? The article prompted the girl's family to want to adopt Emily. Oh my God. So her new friend. They were like, this terrible thing has happened to you. We want to adopt you. You're only 15. And the adoption process began. To be a, a white woman. Mm-hmm. To be like amazing. A, a white girl. Yeah. So during the process, Emily told her potential new family. Sorry, the adoption process <laughs> oh, began. Yeah, this shit started. And then she kind of disappeared and they were like, where is she? And she told them she was living in the United States with a judge who specialized in adoptions. Samantha then created a fake email address for the judge and began communicating with the family as the judge. When Emily's new family tried to enroll her in school, Samantha's scam began to fall apart when the school notified the family that her birth certificate was fake. Once again, Samantha ran. So she just disappeared. These people were fully adopting this girl. And then it all just fell apart. And she was like, bye. Samantha remained quiet until February 2012 when she enrolled herself in another school. In year 11, Garroween Senior High School in Perth, she remained at the school until she was taken away by the police and the major squad, fraud squad. And once again, Samantha served no jail time. <laughs> what is her obsession with being in school? 18 months later, Samantha as a party would arrive in Dublin. So 18 months after all this, she arrived in Dublin. So as the guardie began to piece together who Samantha was, the question of what would happen to her arose. Samantha had obtained a fake passport under the name of Georgia McAuliffe to enter the country and then had visited her mother's ex-boyfriend in Tipperary. So that's where she was. Before telling them, I'm going to go travel around Ireland and then I'm going to the GPO and I'm going to pretend I'm a 14-year-old, fin- like European girl. Well, could she and I can't a passport speak. in the name Samantha? No, why, why would she? She's not cracking that. Like, yeah, she just kept getting because she wanted her stories to like stick. So she wanted to be this. I'm sure she was this. This was who she was going to be when she got to Ireland. 14 year old. But then she just decided she wasn't going to speak. That was her, how she was going to get around things. So Detective Gallagher went to speak to Samantha to let her know that they now knew who she was. Gallagher said upon speaking to her, she just shrugged her shoulders and did not respond. He said all signs of the timid victim were gone. She almost had a smile on her face. The Guardian Social Services were angry. They wasted 2,000 man hours on this case as well as 250,000 euro. 
Whilst many of the Guardi wanted as a, par- as a party prosecuted, others realised this may be a vulnerable person with mental health issues. Shane Dunphy, a child protection expert, said Samantha's oh, case... Oh, he... I know that man. Yeah. He's written a couple of books he that has, I've yeah. read and they're fucking harrowing. Yeah. So he said her case uh, held more than the Guardi or the public realised, he <clears> said. <throat> An awful lot of the commentary was, here we have this con artist who has come in and played the card of somebody who was sexually trafficked. We are missing a bit of the jigsaw puzzle. Nobody does something like this because they are happy. And it seemed to me that all we were seeing was all these other levels of types of pain peeking out. Then she drew attention to herself, walking up and down, looking for help. It seemed very fa- sad and it seemed very tragic. So Samantha technically had not committed a crime. She had not spoken, spoke to the detectives to tell them what had happened. Uh, there was no talk of sex trafficking or abuse. That only came from speculation, not from Samantha herself. The only crime she had committed was using a fake passport. And although she could be charged with this, the courts thought it better to just to deport her back to Australia. Now, they said to her, we're either going to arrest you or you can just leave. So she said leave. She leaves. So she left of her own volition. It wasn't deportation. Samantha agreed to this with taxpayers footing the bill and she returned to Australia. Gallagher noted that she did not speak a single word the entire time she was in Ireland and maintained this on the flight and when she landed in Australia. So she didn't speak. She didn't incriminate herself in any way. Samantha was now back home, but within weeks she'd taken on another new identity. This time a teenage girl, girl called Annika Decker. So she befriended an American girl called Emily Bamberger in a hostel in Sydney. Now, this is while she was Annika Decker, okay? So this is her new one. <coughs> she got off that plane in Australia <coughs> and they were like, this girl has mental health issues. She has technically hasn't done anything wrong. Ireland aren't uh, prosecuting her for the fake passport. So away you go. How, who is she living with? How has she got money? Wait to hear this. So she convinced Emily to travel. So this is Annika now. She's pretending to be Annika. And she convinced her new friend, Emily, to travel around Australia under false aliases. When they were caught by police, Emily was jailed for two days and then deported, unable to ever return to Australia. So her friend was like deported. And then she was just like, la la la. What the fuck? La 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 la. Because create a new person. In April 2014, Samantha Azapardi was able to return to Ireland. Of course she was. Using fake documents. Samantha, now using the name Indy O'Shea. That's a great name. Moved to Dromard in Leitrim, where she became an au pair for her family. The family met with Indy and they really liked her. And they said she basically became a member of their family. Indy began insinuating that she came from money. And in some instances, even royalty. When the family put her story together, her surname's O'Shea, <laughs> they realised that she was the daughter of Princess Madeline of Sweden and that she'd been raised by the princess's cousin and her biological father. Shane Dunphy said that he believed Samantha made up these fantasies because she may have had a deeply unhappy childhood and life and wanted to create something new. Yeah, it does sound like that. Samantha told the family she could not open a bank account as she did not have a passport. How did she get, how did she get the contribution of passport? Diplomatic immunity, Emma. Diplomatic immunity revoked. So the family <laughs> drove her to the embassy to get one. They all went, got the car. Drove to the embassy. And she bolted. So when they drove her to the embassy, she asked them to wait in the car and she went in. Now, the father said one of the weirdest things is this girl had been in their house for like two months and had never worn a single pair of glasses. And she got out of the car and put on a pair of glasses like she was like, like Clark Kent and Sue. Like it was, she was hiding her identity and putting on a pair of glasses. And he was like, I thought that was weird. Yeah. 
you, you don't think it's worth she's saying that she's uh, you don't think Swedish she, royalty and she has no passport she has no passport Emma, and her name I'll is Indie O'Shea bullshit <laughs> yeah but people just seem and Radar. she has done this Sarah to so many people so much this is 14 pages like this bullshit radar is up <coughs> sorry you're you're, oh, you're an au pair <laughs> your surname is o- I'm spitting on myself your surname is O'Shea yeah and uh, you don't royalty, have a passport and you don't have a passport so when they drove her to the embassy she asked them to wait in the car and she went into the embassy upon returning to the car her, the father said she seemed to be in a frenzy and she told the family to leave as fast as possible she then told the family to drive to the English embassy, as it was here she could get a passport. So then they drove her to the English embassy. And Samantha, using a fake name and wearing glasses, received her passport. Sorry? Lads, I just want... How easy is this? What passport did she receive? She received a passport under her new name, Indy O'Shea. <laughs> with fake documents. So the Irish embassy basically told her to fuck off, so she went to the English embassy. And they were like, come on in. Indy O'Shea? Put your legs up, Governor. We'll give <laughs> you like, a passport. I just... The Commonwealth. How? You like, want to be part of it. the first thing is, when I read this story, this story could, like, if this was, like, 1992, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. This is 2000 now and 14. This is not that long ago. So she now has a passport. She now has a passport under Indy O'Shea. Indy O'Shea. Indy O'Shea is her name. From the English From government. the English embassy. <clears throat> I've given her uh, the Swedish... It's like the, the Irish... Honestly, <laughs> get a passport from the Irish government. If you're not born here, yeah, you're looking at, at yeah. the fucking. It's a nightmare. It's fucking pain in like, the hole. It's, it's crazy to me because it just seems like all of the stuff that's put in place to stop this fraud is literally a girl walking in with a fake pair of glasses and a fake document. Go, can I have a passport? And they're like, yeah, go. On. Um. So, like all of Samantha's previous scans scams this one ended abruptly too. She just left the house she was au pairing in, and when the father of the family, ch- she just left. She was gone. Oh, she's something left. She's fucked off. And when the father of the family checked her room, he found a large amount of money in her wardrobe, as well as a boarding pass bearing the name of someone who was not Indy O'Shea. So she had another alternative name. And just to mention, no one knows where she was getting money. And in every single case that's been investigated by the police, by her lawyers, she could afford all her lawyers, nobody knows where the money's coming from. How much money was in the house? He said there was a bundle of money. So he opened it and it was just like shoved in. Where's she getting the money? <sighs> so in September 2014, Azapardi travelled to Canada. And on the 16th of September, she walked into a Calgary health centre claiming to be a 14-year-old named Aurora Hepburn. She told the staff at the health centre that she was a victim of abduction and child sexual abuse. The Calgary police were contacted and an immediate investigation began. So for 17 days, the police investigated the girl's claims before realising her story was not adding up. Eventually, Samantha admitted she had made the story up, but not before costing the Calgary police $150,000. Unlike the Gardaí, however, Canada was like, I think the fuck not. Yeah. And on the 2nd of October 2014, Samantha was charged with public public mischief, which I think is a lovely way to put it. Oh, that is. And misleading police and is sentenced to two months in jail. Oh, does she do jail? Yeah. No. So because they basically kept her in jail for two months. Oh, it's time served. It's time served. So a week after this, Samantha was deported back to Australia. 
She just loves getting kicked in. Yep. So in late 2016, Samantha once again enrolled in Good Shepherd High School in Marrickville in New South Wales and Cindy under the new name Harper Hart. She claimed to be 13 years old. Does she not look... No. 25? She doesn't. She's 25 then, yeah, but she doesn't. She's so thin and slight. Now she does. Because now she's 32, 33. So now she's starting to look her age. But back then, no. There used to be a girl that cleaned our old office. Oh my God, I remember her. Sarah. I remember her. I was like, you look 17. She was like... What's her name? Uh, Harper Hart. (laughs) Harper Hart. (laughs) That girl. I remember that girl. She was like, I've got three kids and and this is my my other job. And I was like, like, you are 12. You look... Like a, yeah. I thought she, I thought the older woman was her mom. Yeah, she looked like a baby. So though she was thirteen, and the staff of the school believed she looked quite a bit older, so they were like, they thought she looked like seventeen. Okay. And found interactions with Harper to be quote strange. She's twenty five. Okay. So when the school asked for identification, Harper told them she was under the U.S. government's witness protection program as she had been a victim of child sexual abuse and human trafficking. The birth certificate she gave the school was from California. Um, and a San Francisco couple, Julian and Rebecca Hart, were named as her biological That's parents. That's good the way she just gave up the, the like the witness protection yeah. straight away. I was like, I'm a witness person. You're not supposed to tell anybody. So when the Department of Family and Community Services... Homer, what's your name? <laughs> when I step on your foot. Uh, so when the Department of Family and Community Services contacted the Hearts, they told her they were not Harper's biological parents, but had only met her as a teenager. She had obviously scammed these people too. But they were like, we don't know her. Uh, we just met her as a teenager. She's not a biological child. Um, FACS contacted the police and detectives began to unravel Harper's story. Harper was smart, though. She would avoid CCTV footage as well as refusing to be in any school pictures. She was, And she would constantly walk around with her hair like over her face. The investigators were contacted by police in New South Wales who told them about Samantha Azapardi, a 29-year-old con woman who they believed might actually be Harper. In May 2017, the investigators took a picture of Azapardi from the internet and showed the staff in the school. They all agreed it looked exactly like Harper. Investigators were, were the, investigators were then given an assignment that Harper had done, like an essay, and Samantha's fingerprints were all over it. So they were like, it's her. Oh, okay. In June 2017, Samantha was arrested and charged. She pled, pled guilty to four charges of dishonesty, obtaining financial advantage by deception, for the education, counselling, food, accommodation and electronics she was given while posing as Harper. So they were giving her shit tons of free stuff. Like iPads, MacBooks. Why? Because she was, they, she told them like she had been trafficked and that she is like was sexually abused and she didn't have any family and blah, 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 blah. And they were like, okay, here's all this free stuff. And accommodation. And accommodation. So Samantha was sentenced to one year in prison in July 2017. Samantha's lies cost New South Wales charities and the police over 155,000 US, uh, sorry, Australian dollars. We're nearly close to a million. Yeah. Outside <clears> the court, Samantha called, Samantha's mother called Samantha a sweet, adventurous and independent child. She is 29. <gasps> She's 29 years old. She's not a child. <clears throat> What's going on with Samantha's family life? Yeah. I think Samantha's family life, I don't know much about her family, but I think it might, a lot of it might lead back to what's going on with her. So in 2018, after her release, Samantha took on the persona of a talent scout under the name Marley. 
Okay, but at least we're not 15 now. Now, Samantha placed an ad in a newspaper stating she was a scout and looking to work with young people wanting to become actors. A family contacted Marley and she began working with her 19-year-old daughter, Emma. Mar- sorry 12 year old daughter I beg your pardon Emma Marley would take 12 year old Emma around Melbourne promising she would land a role in an animated movie if she stuck with her she was like we're going to get you a voice role you're going to be famous during the afternoons Marley would ask Emma to do tasks as part of her training sorry Marley brought Emma to the Royal Mem- Melbourne Hospital told Emma to approach the desk say her name was Dasha and that she needed help so she was getting the girl to go around and do all the weird shit that she does. Oh my God. So they went to a Centrelink office and Marley told Emma to pretend to write, to, sorry, to pretend her name was Emily and to write on a piece of paper that she could see ghosts and hand it to the person in Centrelink. What? Yeah, it's really weird. Like, this is not funny. Like, it's horrible. Emma was told not to tell her parents about any of the bizarre tasks that Marley was asking her to do. What the hell? Mm-hmm. So Emma's parents became concerned over Marley's behaviour and they looked into her. When they contacted the agency she worked for, they told they told the parents that they had never heard of Marley. And when the family confronted Samantha, she left and they never heard from her again. She just wants just 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 fucking it. off. See ya. Like my my go to my go to wouldn't be to come my go to would be to go to the police. Yeah. Straight away. They contacted the police. The police were well aware of what she was doing. So during, she's still, she's still doing it though. During uh, 2018, during this time, Samantha had also been working as an au pair for a famous Australian basketball player by the name of Tom Jervis. What? The Jervis loved Samantha. They moved her into their house. She was working for, for them for a year, like, and so did their daughter. There were no issues until someone contacted Tom on Facebook saying that someone had, be, had been saying they were his wife. I think her name is Jazzy. J-A-Z-Z-E. I don't know. I think it's Jazzy. <laughs> Jazzy Jeff. Jazzy Jeff. And that she was trying to recruit her 13-year-old daughter to be a model. So he, this girl contacted this footballer, uh, basketball parent, Facebook, and was like, hey, just to let you know, uh, your wife is contacting my 13-year-old daughter and telling her she wants her to be a model and she's going to recruit her to be a model. And then he was like, no, that's not my wife. So when Tom saw the picture used on the Facebook pro- profile he realised it was their au pair oh my god they confronted her and once again she disappeared this went on for a solid year she was living with these people for a year so did she just do this so she's somewhere to live a part of me thinks it might be because the au pair thing means you're in someone's house yeah you have food you have comfort you have accommodation it's terrifying do you know what I mean and like people are like she hasn't done anything wrong I get that but this is absolutely horrible for these people having someone like that in your house for a fucking year like that's horrible so in July 2019, Samantha became Coco, a modelling scout. She reached out to a girl named Georgia on Instagram, believing the girl could have a career as a model. Mel Bivage, who's Georgia's mother, met Coco at a cafe in Sydney. So she's like, I'm going to meet this person, see what she's like. And then they kind of got on. So in the following months, Coco got very close to the Bivage family. She told Mel she was from a family of 11 and that she had leukaemia as a child. These stories are just wild. Why can't like why are just normal backstories normal? Like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you're really normal. I just came from a family too, and uh, my mom and dad's you know still together, and I live here. No, why she do was I have like, to have leukemia? Why do I have to be trafficked? Just, why do I need to be oh, a member of the royal family? It's insane. <laughs> so um, okay, so she was lovely. Mel said I invited her to my home that Christmas to stay for a week. She talked about not having a family um, orientation like we had, and loved our connection. And I told her you have to come for Christmas. How's this bitch getting into everybody's house? Yeah. 
Coco began uh, asking Georgia to do bizarre tasks now. Oh, okay. Even sometimes write, uh, wiring her with a microphone. So she would put like a microphone in her so she could hear. She'd be like, go over and do this. And then would listen to what the girl was doing. This is all very strange. In one instance, she drew a bruise on Georgia's face and told her to enter a youth centre, tell them her name was River and that she'd been physically assaulted. So alarm bells began to ring for Mel when Coco took her and Georgia on a trip to Melbourne in 2019. Despite Coco claiming to have lived in the city all her life, she did not know her way around and did not know how to use the public transport. Oh. So a couple of nights into the trip, Mel saw that Coco who'd used Jazzy, I think her name is Jazzy, I'm sorry, Jazzy Jervis's card to pay for the hotel room. So she was, she'd stole, remember the, oh. she stole her credit card. And then Mel confronted her. I couldn't believe it, she said. She still had me half believing her while I was questioning her. She made me double guess myself. And then I thought, there is no way in the world this woman is who she says she is. And Mel was really smart. She actually recorded the conversation. Oh. Yeah. So, called the police by the time police arrived. Samantha was gone. Gone! She said, can we call this episode Samantha was gone? Samantha was gone. She was like cartoon woman. Samantha was a Samantha-shaped hole in the wall. Yeah, I'm telling you. So in October of 2019, a French couple who had just moved to Melbourne with their two daughters employed Samantha as an au pair. Listen, lads, I, if you can afford an au pair, will you get them vetted? <laughs> just get your au pair, oh, please. See? They found Samantha on Facebook. Although if she's using a fake name, although yeah, if you get them vetted, they yeah. like, this person doesn't exist. This person's just like this. Uh, where she was using the name Saka and she was 18 years old. She must have been very young, didn't she? Yeah, Samantha moved in with a couple after like a day of knowing. That's what happens with all So on November 1st, 2019, Samantha told the family she was taking their daughters to Yu Yang's southwest of Melbourne for a picnic. So it's like a park. Instead, Samantha took a one-year-old and a four-year-old almost a hundred kilometres from Yu Yang to Bendigo's youth, he- youth Mental Health Services headspace. Samantha put on a school uniform and pretended to be a pregnant 14-year-old who had been abused by her uncle. What the fuck? A staff member in the centre recognised Samantha and called the police. The police arrested Samantha and she was charged with child stealing, theft and obtaining property by deception. And she was sentenced to two years in jail. Child stealing? They call it child stealing. Yeah, there's must be an Australian thing. But like, all well and good for her to do this weird shit by herself. Do not so bring a fucking one year old and a four year old immature bullshit. Also, don't tell a family you're bringing your, their kids to a park like five minutes up the road and you take them a hundred kilometers outside of where they're meant to be. You fucking weirdo. Like, I'm sorry, there is no justification for this. That is someone's children. Um. So most assessments of Samantha, it was found that she did not have any mental illnesses. She had been repeatedly asked to engage with psychiatric professionals and at times would acknowledge that she had a problem. So during the trial where she went to jail for two years, it was revealed following multiple assessments that she had been diagnosed by Australian forensic psychiatrist Dr. Jacqueline Rakoff as suffering borderline personality disorder and a rare phenomenon called Pseudolasia Fantastica. Which is a great name for a dessert, yeah. which manifests itself in compulsive lying, internally motivated by her fantasies to recreate a happy childhood narrative. That's verbatim from Wikipedia. So I have that. <laughs> so basically, they were saying everything she's doing is to try and recreate this childhood. So they said they also think that's why she's drawn to being an au pair because she's with other kids. 
So it's can like, I can I, I you can't answer the well, question. I'd need to ask this lady. If it was a happy childhood, why does she keep saying she's being raped? That's the thing. Or abused or beaten. In one instance, she said that like her two of her uncles had raped her, that she had had like her head smashed off, off like a concrete step. Like she was telling like she had leukemia. She had all these terrible things happen yeah. to her. So it's like if you were, but then also that's to gain sympathy. That's to gain people to be like, oh, this poor girl, we want to take you into our home. So she knew uh, beyond her having mental illnesses, she was good at this. Yeah. She was an expert and especially going to people, vulnerable people, like people in churches. As they say, there's no atheists food kitchens in New York. They're all religious food kitchens for a reason because yeah. they want to give. So she would go to like them. She would go to places where schools because schools will protect you. Schools will keep you safe. A school will try and help you. So she was going and people that have kids, she'd be like, I'll go in and tell them that I was abused as a kid and they'll care about me. So she knew what she was doing. She was being incredibly manipulative. Yeah. Um, so just because the entire time I was doing this, I was like, is there any particular reason the police in Australia aren't on the same wavelength? I can't be like, hey, put this picture everywhere or somebody check who this girl is. And I didn't really understand why they weren't kind of, because every time she does something, she just gets away with it or the police don't know who she is. And then basically, um, it's because she moves from jurisdiction yeah. to jurisdiction in Australia. It's and then I also forget how big Australia is. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's that thing. It's, it, we don't have that problem no, here. No, not at all. So like, our police force are our police, police force. Yeah, there's no like, like, you're in the, you know, fucking Longford jurisdiction. Like, yeah. that shit doesn't exist. No. Um, um, where which it's shouldn't like, to be perfectly fucking no, honest because the, because the amount of criminals get away with and the amount of criminals get away with shit because of that jurisdiction bullshit um, but yeah it was hard to keep like a linear file on her because she was bang 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 all around so they couldn't keep her story straight basically so in March of 2022 Samantha faced the courts again this time for pretending to be a 14 year old French girl who was the victim of sex trafficking Samantha approached the homeless charity Sydney Jewish House telling them once again a charity telling them that she had been trafficked to Australia from France. The charity contacted the police and Samantha told them she only spoke French. So a translator was hired. She told the police she'd been forced... Business French! Yeah. She'd been forcibly injected with fertility drugs, raped and held by the leaders of a cult. What were the fertility drugs for? The Australian police contacted the French police and they also began an investigation as to who this girl was. It was then that someone in the Australian police realised who Samantha was. As a party, he was sentenced to 17 months, but then this was reduced to six months. Why do they keep reducing her sentence? They keep reducing her sentence. It's because of what you said earlier. They're like, what's she gaining from this? But I'm like, she's wasting police time that could actually be used to help actual victims of these crimes. She's taken the... F- create a law. Do something. This bitch isn't going to stop. Like, Yeah. Um, and it's frustrating because you read these stories and then it's like... You know, these are the type of people, unfortunately, that do this thing, these awful, awful things. And then you have some arsehole going, not all sexual assault places yeah. are real. And it frustrates the fuck out of me. Like, it bothers me so much. Uh, yes, okay. So upon being released from prison in August of 2022, Samantha immediately contacted Teresa Power, a lawyer who was looking for an au pair. She told Teresa her name was Maya Maleka and that she was 19 from Poland. She was an aspiring actor who had years of experience looking after children. Teresa said that one of the first things Azapardi said upon speaking to her was that she was so glad Teresa was a real person and not a fraudster as there were so many fraudsters around. What? Yeah. So she was like, hey, so glad you're real. There's so many fraudsters. For, for looking for an old hair? Yeah. So she was like almost being like, if I say this, 
you're not going to think I'm a fraudster. You're going to think I'm a real person. <gasps> Teresa said her and her husband really like Maya. Even though she didn't have a Polish accent. Nope. Teresa then asked for Maya's email and ID. She wanted to pass this on to the working with children check, which was a legal requirement in Australia. So you could ha- tell how many people were actually doing that. Yeah. Maya told her that she had been told she was not eligible for this as she'd only been in Australia for a short time. The next day when Maya met Teresa, she showed her her European passport to prove that she had a visa and this was considered a universal working with children check. And Teresa was like, okay. What? A lawyer. She was like, she came in and she had like the maroon, you know, the European Union, the the maroon colour passports. She was like, she just flashed me the passport and I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, can you leave it there and I'll I'll have a look at it properly? Because she was like, we had to go. We had to bring my daughter wherever she needed to go. So she was like, I'll look at it later. She was like, I believed her. So then they brought her daughter wherever she needed to go. So she was like, she basically hired her. So Samantha was meant to return the next day at 10 a.m. But she didn't turn up. And the reason being is that she'd once again been arrested this time for claiming to be a 14-year-old girl who was sexually abused again. So as she was going for these au pair jobs, her side job was hustling. Was just hustling and pretending to be a 14-year-old that was sexually abused. Uh, so Samantha pled guilty to two charges of false representation. So she pleads guilty to every single one of these. She does not argue. She pleads guilty. Um, this charge was Samantha's 100th charge 100 and she was sentenced to 18 months in prison on December 5th of this year Samantha won her fight in court to have her sentence reduced and she will walk walk free in three days from today what yep so this is from perthnow.au her lawyer Stuart O'Connell argued her 17 month jail sentence was manifestly excessive given as a party's complex mental health situation he said she should never have been put in custody in the first place Miss Azapardi is unable at present time to control this impulse to make false reports and it is unambiguous in the medical reports that this will not change until she has received intense and outgoing psychological assistance. It doesn't make sense that they don't put her into like, she needs to go to a mental institution. Like immediately needs to go to a hospital. Yeah. Like the girl, like she, she is not well, but then when people are, uh, Ch- testing her and speaking to her, they're like, she, she doesn't talk. have, and she doesn't, they keep saying she doesn't have any mental illnesses. What the fuck is this? This is a mental illness. She, this is impulse. She cannot help this. Like, I don't think she's getting any joy out of this. Like, other than she seems to be getting the family that she wanted. But then the anxiety will kick in because they're going to catch her. Because she's, she is smart, but she's not that smart. If you know what I mean? Like, she's not smart well, enough you're to never kick smart, the you're never up. smart enough to continue no, that line. No, that shit's going to come out, like. Judge John North agreed with O'Connell's claim that as a party does not seem to gain anything from her frauds financially or otherwise but she kind of does but she kind of doesn't where's she got all the money from this where's she got money and i've read about 50 articles today and the only one article mentioned the money and it said no one knows where the money came from I'm like what the fuck was she getting all this money like one one article stated that it for her to come to ireland it would have cost her 13 grand for where she stayed like she stayed in hotels and stuff and her t- tickets and all that stuff they were like all in all she would have spent about 13 grand and she had a fake credit card had a fake credit card yeah well no someone else someone else she had Jazzy sorry if that's not her name Jazzy's credit card but Jazzy she was, it's a silent I, J I'm sorry like, uh, she's, very, she's very pretty I googled her she's very pretty so she only had Jazzy's credit card but weirdly enough only used it for that one transaction to book the hotel that was it didn't use it after that 
didn't use it to buy food, didn't use it for anything else, just for the hotel. It's very strange. But then again, her whole thing is very strange. Um, He reduced her sentence, calling the initial sentence somewhat harsh. So that's what he's saying. She's getting out in three days. Judge North held the same sentiment as Brad Blacker, the pastor that Samantha scammed, with both hoping she gets the help she needs. Blacker said, I just hope she can be convinced to be happy with who she really is and get the help she clearly needs. I don't believe she is a bad person, but she has issues she needs to work through. I just hope she finds help. And that is the story of Samantha as a party and the absolute fucking insanity that ensued with her. And I can't believe you don't remember that story, the girl in GPO. I never heard the story. What? Oh my God. I remember it like as clear as day. And I wish I never had heard the story. I know. And story. I only remembered her a while ago because I was reading a book that had kind of a similar kind of thing going on, like a short story. And I Googled her name. I was like, I wonder what she's up to. And then this fucking documentary, the documentary what, she one. To, she to everything. She's up to everything. Documentary and one did a very good documentary on her. And um, I was like, Jesus, what's she doing now? The exact same thing. That, I thought that thing in Dublin had stopped her. If anything, it just got worse. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, she's out of jail in three days. And it is that argument as well where it's like, clearly there is something wrong. Like this girl is not well. Like she's not going out and like, you know, stealing credit cards and buying cars and fucking, you know, running up bills and bars. She's not doing that. It's just this innocuous, like, hello, I'm, can, can I come and live in your house? I'll be your au pair. And the other thing is, every single person that had her as an au pair was like, we loved her. My kids loved her. But then she was making this, these other kids go around and fucking pretend, tell people they saw ghosts. It's very like, like that story that recently broke of that lady who pretended to be disabled. Oh, I saw that the other day, actually. Yeah. Did you read the Vice article? I read the Vice article. That's bizarre. But she was pretending to be a psychologist. Yeah. A child a, psychologist. She was Kerry, wasn't she? Yeah, and she yeah. was going around into people's houses <clears throat> and giving therapy to yeah. uh, autistic, always autistic children. And she had like that website where you could buy toys for Yeah, but they never shipped. She so, never like, shipped anything. She just, it was a complete scam. And yeah. all of the money got given back to the people, but it was from the banks. So she got the money. She got the money. Um... She's gone missing now. She's gone on the oh, run. Has she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Vice found her. Oh my God. It's just um, like, I see things like that and my immediate reaction is like, what the fuck? And then I kind of step back and I go, something's wrong. Like, that's not normal behavior. Like That lady had her kids taken off her and that seems to, and she missed, she like lost a child and that seems to be the point of which she kind of snapped. I don't know, but they like, similar to this girl where there people in her school were like she was always full of shit yeah she's always telling lies and that's the, what Samantha has is a compulsion like that's a compulsion like she genuinely cannot help what she's doing there it's like kleptomania it's the idea of just doing the act so I do feel for her but I also feel for the people that had their kids around her and were but like it, and, and that's know. the thing of like to have that you would feel like just afterwards it'd be like, like she was in my house yeah, well, like, and like bringing a one and a four year old to your little fucking cosplay of pretending you're a four- raped 14 year old pregnant by your uncle and like, that's fucked man don't <laughs> like go do your weird shit but don't fucking bring kids into it like but yeah and like the fact that she's going around and costing all these governments so much money and they're like yeah we'll give her a month and then let her out Oh, we put her on a plane. But it just seems to be that this is a loophole. She has discovered a fucking loophole. Because in her head, she's like, right, if I don't steal and if I don't try and get financial gain or do anything, you know, illegal per se, I can just continue to live like this. 
And she seems to be perfectly content to live like this. But yeah, she doesn't look 19 anymore, so I think the jig might be up a little oh, bit on okay. the schoolgirl shit. She doesn't look like a schoolgirl anymore. Right, okay. Um, but yeah, that's the story of Samantha as a party. As I said, there's a documentary on Doc on One. Uh, if you want to... Doc on Doc One. Doc on One, if you want to listen to it. It's very, very good. They did a great job. And one of the girl, late, uh, Sharon Davis is an Australian journalist and she's been following the case since like day one. And she works on the documentary, so it's very good. What a good meaty case. Crazy. Thanks very much. I honestly did it thinking, ah, she did that in the GPO. Nope, that was the start. <laughs> <laughs> that was the tip of the little iceberg and then the rest of it just went to That's like, not even the tip, that's the no, middle of the iceberg. No, it's fucking crazy. She, and then she just went in a fucking mad one for like four or five years after that. But anyway, it should be, I'm sure she's right now writing down her new identity for when she gets out I of jail. I wonder what her new identity will be. God, I can tell you in six months there's going to be another case of her being like, uh, this is Sean McNally and she is a dancer from Kerry. Like, I can guarantee you, big ass, she came back to Ireland. She, um, it wouldn't surprise no, me. It wouldn't surprise me at it's not all. It's that difficult apparently to get in. <laughs> but um, everybody, thank you so much. And we'll be back next week. And as I said, we'll be back next week. And then I think we're going to take a break for Christmas because we need a fucking break. break. Um, but everybody have a lovely week. Uh, try and keep warm if you can. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Colin. Work, 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 work